Hey, Mike, how's it going? Going well. How are you? And it looks like you're in a bunker. Well, I'm in my my bat cave, as they call it. I'm a uh, I've got a facility down here at the Napa Airport that we run our operation out of. Uh -huh. uh, my myself and my business partner, uh, Chris, and uh, you know we are a uh, essential business according to the state of California because uh, we do provide housing. And, oh, okay. Yeah, so I've got um, you know we we can jump right into it, but um, folks probably know I I have a, I manage Airbnbs, I own Airbnbs, we manage them for other people, et cetera. So we have a management business that does that. And we had a, just an unbelievable amount of cancellations. But one of the things that we're doing is, is we moved to a seven and 30 day uh, rental model. So we, we do seven day blocks and we're getting a bunch of healthcare workers coming into Napa and uh, people providing like disaster relief uh, services that are uh, leasing up our properties. Right. So it's, uh, it's an interesting place to be because we're currently running about, I don't know, what would you say, uh, Chris? Chris is behind the, the screen here, but we're like 65, 70% below, uh, below market, right? For, yeah. for normal yeah, rates. Right. Yeah. So we're running uh, about 65, maybe 70% below normal rates, um, which is just, uh, you know, we're running. Cash well, sure. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's take a step back for a minute. Okay. Yeah. So I think a lot of people listening will know who you are, know that we, you know, know, know we're bros or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of people will be new. So I'll intro you and you tell me if this is right. You, sure. You've done real estate investment most of your adult life. You're in your 40s now. You had an Airbnb business that was at 101% occupancy, super high rents, and it was just killing it. And Corona hit. What happened then? Yeah, so we, uh, so I, I do, I do a lot of real estate stuff. Okay, but one of the businesses that I own is a Airbnb business. I'm blessed in that I live not just in California, but I live in Napa Valley, which is just absolutely a a gorgeous, beautiful market. We're about 35 miles outside of uh, the city of San Francisco. Um, northeastern corner of the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And we are one of the nine Bay Area counties. So our occupancy rates here are insane. Um, they're artificially insane because uh, Napa County is very diligent on policing uh, illegal vacation rentals. You got to have a permit. You got to collect the, the transient occupancy tax or hotel tax. And then you, you turn that into the county. If you're not doing that, they shut you down quick. Napa Valley has uh, the distinction of being the only county that I'm aware of in the United States that's ever arrested and imprisoned and a host of an illegal vacation rental. So with that said, rates are very, very high here because you only have 41 licensed units. Right. And um, we, we do typically run about 101 to 103% occupancy on all of our units. And... Um, we, we do that. People say, well, how, how is that even possible? Because people cancel, they pay a cancellation fee, and then we reload those same nights. So it, we actually, uh, a few months ago, I think it was in, uh, what was that, Chris? October, November, we did 107, 108% occupancy at one, yeah. of, one of our properties. Yeah, so right we, we had a couple of dates that it had booked, canceled, booked, 
then canceled again and then rebooked. And so we literally, that's how busy our properties are here. They're very, very expensive properties. They're very difficult to buy because the, the permit is attached to the deed. So I, I just want to kind of give that background because, you know, you're dealing with a business that is very, very, very profitable. Um, and was just running like gangbusters. We were hiring, you know, cleaning staff. Uh, we bought, you know, three uh, vans, you know, like Ford Transit vans recently, just really scaling into this business hardcore. And then COVID-19 hit. And uh, we have seen over the past 10 days, well over $100,000 in cancellations and continue to see about four to $5,000 a day in cancellations. I think this morning we were a little over $7,000 in cancellations just this morning. Yeah, great. And I think that's what I want to focus on is the, the calamity, maybe not calamity, but this is a, a big deal. This is, um, this is a huge thing. Yeah. And, and what yeah, there's a lot of people out there saying, hey, you know, uh, you, you can't be talking about this stuff. But I, I think it's really important for people to understand, you know, what like small entrepreneurs like myself, and guys a lot smaller than me even that own like, you know, they own a pizza joint, you know, in, in downtown New York or, you know, in, in Fresno, California or something. You know, these people are not multimillionaires and you can't withstand, you know, this long prolonged uh, issue. And so I think it's really important to get out there and, and talk about what's happening so that, you know, officials understand that it's not just, you know, you can't just go out and shut all these businesses down and then not provide help to them. Great, great, great. So let's, let's start there. Actually, I think that's, that's a good beginning point, because I'm witnessing now what I witnessed in 2008, 2009, which is, you're okay, you do the right things, you, you make your money, you invest in a property, you don't over leverage yourself, you don't go into credit card debt, you're not popping bottles at the club, you're just really doing the right thing. And everything's going great. And then overnight, boom, I've been walking around um, retails 60, 60% down overnight. Oh, I, I would say 60% is probably generous. I, I, I think many of them are, are way below that. I mean, anecdotally, if you look at, at like restaurants here in downtown Napa that, that typically are wickedly busy, I mean, just year round, we just have a zillion, four million tourists or something that come to Napa. You've got restaurants right now that seat 230 people that have no one inside the restaurant, okay? And not only do they have no one in there, they're trying to do carryout, and now the restaurants in town are discounting their carryout. So one guy came out and said, hey, everything on my menu is 20% off the normal menu price if you pick it up at the curb. Well, a guy three doors down just did an email blast. My, mine is 30% below uh, menu cost. So now you've got guys that are doing, you know, 10, 15% of the business, and now they're discounting that 10 or 15% of the business. So right, they're, they're getting that. That's what I'm trying to explain to people, people who don't understand, or who've never run a business is that like, that's my job. My job is people are being morons, and they don't get it. And the people who are morons include people in Congress who read me and listen to me, but they've never run a business. And they don't understand the, the math of a business. I was, so I was trying to think of an easy way to put it. And you can interject as you see fit. But just to use round numbers, I would tell people, imagine you run um, a business that does 12 million a year in revenue. 
your margins are 10%, your net margins. So you're doing 1.2 million a year. You might, you're, you're rich, right? So to speak. Okay. But that means it costs you a million a month to run it. So right. even, so even if you've been saving your money and not spending it, you can't run your business for what, maybe two, three months at the most before it shuts down. Before, and this oh. is, this is, Everywhere, every business is running on those numbers. Right, and and people say, oh well, you know what? You can just not, you know, um, order materials, or you can just not. It, it, let's take a restaurant that's doing twelve million a year, okay? And there are a lot of restaurants out there, especially in the Bay Area, that do big numbers, okay? And I think restaurants are, you know, emblematic of of everything out there. So I like using them because everybody goes in them. So it's a great example. But yeah, you cannot. You you can lay off your staff. Okay, but you still got to buy some food because you're going to do your carryout business. Now, what happens with your utilities? Are those discounted? Is your insurance discounted? What about your lease? What about your mortgage payment if you own your building? I mean, all these things are fixed costs. People don't realize that those are fixed. You have to pay that every month. Whether you, you know, close down and lay your employees off, you still have an enormous, enormous debt load every month with your facility, your upkeep of your facility, your insurance, your taxes, your, it just goes on and on and on and on. And this is a really, really, really bad situation for these small entrepreneurs. And I think it's really important that people understand that we talk about 2008 and 2009. Okay, yeah, well, that was totally different. And let me tell you why, totally different situation than this. Because in 2008 and 2009, it was a top-down calamity, okay? Meaning that people like Goldman Sachs, people like Bear Stearns, people like AIG Insurance, these huge multinational billion-dollar corporations were facing calamity, okay? But they have access to the capital market. Does Mike Cernovich, uh, you know, book, book business, publishing business, do you have access to the Fed funds rate to go borrow, you know, $800,000 to keep your, your publishing business afloat? Right. You right. don't. Right. Okay. And, and that's, that's, that's what people don't understand is that this isn't a top-down problem. This is a bottom-up problem. Okay. So you've got the small pizza guy. You've got the guy that, you know, the, the woman that owns a clothing shop, you know, in a, in a little downtown Main Street. Uh, the person that owns the, the local coffee shop. What happens to these people? Okay, how do they pay rent? And, and then if they're a hustler, let's say they've been a hustler for the past two years and their coffee shop's doing freaking great. And so now they've gone out and they've opened up two, three, four, five coffee shops, okay? Because they've got a great concept that's better than Starbucks, which in my opinion would not be very hard. And they, they but the thing is, we've been in a raging, raging, raging bull market, okay? So what happens when you're in a raging bull market? Well, you leverage in, right? So you, you, you take profits from one establishment and then you parlay those profits into opening up, you know, another coffee shop, right? And then another coffee shop. But all of a sudden, you know, and you're growing and you're doing great and you're employing, you know, 50, 60, 70 people and you're, you're doing a great service for the community and great service for your employees and all, and all these things. And you've got, you know, landlords out there that, you know, have granted you leases. And then all of a sudden everything stops. Well, that guy has been a very responsible entrepreneur, okay? And people say, oh, well, you know, you know, but no, he's been a responsible entrepreneur. It's a bull market. This is a black swan event, okay? No one saw this coming. No one saw this coming. And so 
how do you help that guy? How does the government step in and help that guy? You know, how does that guy, you know, make, make rent? I know I get it. Okay. He can not order as much coffee and he can lay off some employees, but how does he pay his lease? How does he pay his utilities? How does he pay his insurance? How does he pay, you know, the equity money, uh, you know, the operating capital that he borrowed out of his business, say he took a $200,000 loan, you know, to leverage in and, and continue to build his business. How do these people survive? I don't know how, I mean, how do they? That's the question, right? Um, well, I mean, and, how, yeah. How I mean, what do you do? Right. And you send out what, a thousand dollar check to everybody. I mean, it, it, that, that's the most anemic response. I just don't, I, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. It, I've, I've, I've had a lot of people say, like I'm quote unquote losing it or whatever. And which is funny because Nestor and I have joked about that. And you've, you've been with me. You guys have actually been with me while I'm hanging out and people would be like, Oh my God, sir. It's just like melting down. Meanwhile, I'm smoking a cigar, but like, I am fucking pissed. Like I'm really pissed at a thousand dollars based on your 2018 income, but it phases out over $88,000. This is shit. You, you hear this and you just think, you're a moron. Where did you get this from? Who, who would even draft this proposal? And it doesn't even begin, it begin to cover what the calamity that we're, that we're facing. $1,000, but if you make over 88,000, you get nothing. 1,000 is not even enough for the people making under $88,000. And it doesn't do anything for the small business owners at all. $1,000, what are you going to cover one-fourth of your rent payment? The coffee shop I go to, and this is not like a luxurious shop. It's a small business. He, his uh, rent's three grand a month. Right. And that, that isn't a Starbucks. That's just an independent okay. small shop. It, let's take that three grand, layer on your insurance. Okay. So that's probably another, I, I don't know, $500 a month. Right. Okay. Layer on your utilities and, you know, s some other, whatever you got, you know, cam charges, et cetera. Okay. So we're at another $500. There's four grand, right? And then you layer on another thousand dollars of, whatever, you know, miscellaneous contingent charges that it costs just to have that shop sit there, right? You're at five grand a month. Multiply that by five stores. Right. Yeah. And, and coffee shops aren't, this is a thing I think a lot of people too don't get until they've run a business. People don't make as much as you think they're making, right? They've accumulated wealth over 30 years. So they're like, oh, that guy's got the Corvette or the Ferrari or the whatever, well, he's, yeah, but he's 50 and he's been in business since he was 20 right. and he, he's Christian, worth like a couple million. I, well, you and I both have a buddy of ours, Ralph Napolitano, right? Yeah, that owns yeah. a, uh, a restaurant in New York City. Okay. Would that, that his great grandpa bought that restaurant right. in the 19, like 1918. Okay. And it's been right. passed down to the next, you know, the next son and the next son and the next person, right? They, they own the building. They own right. the building in the land. Would Ralph, and I, you know, it'd be great to ask him this, but I'm sure he would say absolutely not. If Ralph had to go out and lease that building today at current market rates or market rates that were two months ago, would he make any money? Right. Of course, of course not. Yeah. I mean, there's no way he'd be in the hole every month, you know, eight grand or something. Right. And so people don't understand that. Oh, well, they're business owners. Well, yeah, because it's been a family enterprise for X number of years, or they've lived a Spartan lifestyle for two decades. And, you know, they happen to own some real estate that they operate a business out of that's a hundred percent paid for. And most of that profit comes out of that that investment right. that was made years ago. Right. I mean, yeah, if you go out and lease space and you're running like a, a cigar shop or a coffee shop or a, a clothing store, 
you know, you're lucky if you're making six, seven, eight percent profit after you pay everything. Yeah. There was a guy at the coffee shop. He has 14 Blaze pizzas. And the reason you have to franchise so many is because it's not like you're making a million dollars on each store. Right. That's what people 40, 50, 60 grand on each one after right. everything. Yeah, Subway, I, there, there's a great YouTube channel where they talk about all these. Uh, Subway, you do 28 to 40,000 per Subway store. That's right. why people own 20 of them. Well, yeah, great. Exactly. So you own 20 of them, and now overnight, whoosh, crashed yes. like that. Overnight, and then you're, what are you, you're going to give that guy a thousand. You, you wouldn't even give him a thousand dollars because he made over over eighty eight thousand, right. right? So right. he made he made over eighty eight thousand. So that guy gets nothing. So then yeah. all the subway workers lose their jobs. They all own rent. They have landlords. Most landlords, contrary to popular belief, do not look for ways. They're not like slum lords. This is not the way it's done, for the most part. Well, you can't pay your rent. The landlord can't pay his mortgage. What happens now, again, we don't know. We've never seen anything like this. We've never seen Vegas shut down, right? The pictures that I'm seeing from people taking, you know, photos and, and video on the strip, like last night, is just unbelievable. I mean, you and I have been to Vegas a few times together. It, it, even on like a Tuesday afternoon in the middle of the wintertime, it's busy. As, yep. as, you just can't even imagine how busy it is if you've never been. But I mean, there's just people everywhere on both sides of the street and, you know, eight people deep or 15 people deep. It's just unbelievable. And to see these photos with nothing happening there. Now, and again, the, in that, that situation, you're talking about massive corporations like MGM and Wynn and, you know, the Sands Corporation, et cetera, that, that have access to, you know, capital markets where they can borrow and maybe weather a storm for a little while. But what about the guy that owns, you know, like the lollipop store in the middle of, uh, you know, MGM Grant? Right. You know? the guy that sells donuts, you know, on your way out to get the Uber. I mean, what, what about those guys? And those are the people that are really, truly suffering here. And I'm not hearing much in the way of government assistance for those people or a government bailout for those people other than, hey, apply for an SBA loan. Yeah. What, what are you going to do with the loan? How are you going to pay it back without cash flow coming in? The whole, the whole process, this is something two people learn as you live in the game more is most members of Congress are just, they're, they're absolute idiots. They, they are complete and total morons. They don't know anything. They've never had any real success in life. And, and that's the kind of person, you know, thankfully there are people who are truly selfless and want to serve, but there's a reason that if you were proposing a good form of government, you would make people who don't want to be in government be in government because they don't get it. Uh, we're going to give people, it's not, a, it isn't, it's the kind of thing that where if somebody tells you what you say, okay, you're, you can't even be in, in the room. You're, so let's say we're all brainstorming, you know, yeah. what do you think should be done? What should government do? And somebody goes, oh, $1,000 if you made under 88000 in 2018, if you made over that, you get nothing. You'd be like, okay, you gotta leave. You need to get get out of here. That's Congress. We, we're stuck with them, right? But if, if we were brainstorming, we'd just be like, all right, kid, you you can go grab our coffee, and I just well, and then let's you know segue into into real estate a little bit. So I, I see that Bank of America is offering a ninety day forbearance. Okay, and and so I'm seeing people like on Facebook and Twitter and stuff, you know, really touting this. Oh, they're such great people. Listen, folks forbearance is not what you think it is, okay? It, the only way that this whole thing's gonna work is if you do a recast of the loan. A forbearance means that you don't have, to, let's say that, that Mike 
has a mortgage on his house and he, it's $5,000 a month. And he doesn't pay his, he says, okay, hey, Bank of America, I've got a loan with you. I'll take you up on the forbearance. Okay, great. So you don't pay uh, your $5,000 a month for uh, 90 days. What happens on the fourth payment? You owe 20 grand. You right. forbearance just, it doesn't push the loan out. It pushes the payment out without interest and without penalties for three months. But then on the fourth payment, you've got to pay 20 grand. Can you yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It only works as, and, and it's still not a great thing, but the only way it works and it's still painful, but it would still work is you would just recapitalize that unpaid interest into the principal. So you would say, okay, if your mortgage is $1,000 a month and 500 of that's interest, then you're going to have to put that 500 every month. It's going to go back into the balance of the mortgage. And then Listen, so the bank already know how to, here's the thing that pisses me off. The banks already know how to do this shit. Right. There's an amortization table, right? Yes. yes. Well, they did this back in 2005. Countrywide Mortgage made a killing doing this. They're called negative AM mortgages. So immediately they should make every single commercial and residential loan a negative AM mortgage. Tweet that out, I'll retweet it. That'll do well. Tweet that out. I haven't heard anybody say that. Okay. So listen, you do that right now and you say you have an elective payment because listen, I know for a fact, I know this for a fact that back in 2004 and five, Countrywide Mortgage had option payments. You could, okay, you could get a loan for 700 grand. And if you wanted to, you could only pay 800 bucks. And if you felt like it, you could pay 1800. If you felt like you could pay 2800. And the difference would just get negative AM. It would get added to your, to the balance of your loan. So your loan balance would grow. The banks already know how to do this shit. And, and this should just be, in my opinion, this should be a federal mandate. If you're going to force people to stay in home and force them to be out of business, then you better, you better make these negative AM mortgages for commercial and residential. You better make these nationwide forced situation. But Just, the Fed could do that. Good. So yeah, the Fed could do that overnight. So I like that you use that lingo. We want to tweet that out. And for people who don't know the lingo, when you pay your, this is the, and the reason Mike is ranting because he should, the bank, there's literally a chart. So if you go, you can, it's called an, a, an amortization table. So you can just see, okay, every month, if you pay a thousand dollars, here's goes to principal, here goes to interest. So all the banks have to do is say, oh, okay, that the three months that you can't pay your mortgage, we're just going to take that interest, roll it into the balance of the mortgage. And then when you're back on your feet, your mortgage payment will go up, but it'll go up maybe 10%. It won't go up 100% or 300%. It won't be what's called the balloon payment, which is, okay, we gave you a, a three-month forbearance, and now you owe a you know, massively much bigger payment. It would be like, no, no, your, your payment's going to go up. Every bank, every bank knows how to do this because they've already done it. Right. Okay? They did this 12, 13 years ago to people out there who lied on their mortgages, and they knew they were lying, and they told people, oh, hey, you work at Target? You're a checker at Target. You made 112 grand last year, right? Okay, yeah. So you can get this negative AM loan and buy that $600,000 two bedroom, one bath here in California. And you only got to make, eh, I don't know, $825 a month payment. Okay. Right. This is available in, in the government. If they, you, you listen, if you mandate that people stay at home and you mandate that businesses can't be open, then you have to mandate that every single mortgage commercial, residential, private, public, doesn't fucking matter. Every mortgage until this thing passes 
should be a negative AM option payment. So, hey, if, if a guy like me can, maybe my mortgages are, let, let's just say that mortgages on your business, your pizza restaurant are 10,000 a month. Maybe you got a little bit of savings and you can pay 1,500. Then pay the 1,500 to the bank. Okay. Sure, and some then, people pay ahead. And just to interrupt you briefly is, yeah, there's a lot of people that pay ahead on their mortgage anyway. People who listen to Dave Ramsey, sure. they pay the mortgage. So yeah, that's what I mean. This, we're not proposing like rocket science, calculus, advanced derivatives kind of thing. It's like the banks have a freaking table. They could just say, okay, we're just going to work the interest back in the principal. Then that'll, that, and then you just literally, if you look at a table, it'll just push forward all of the, the payments due readjusting the balance by adding it. You're right. It's genius. It's so simple. It's, Why is anybody so, talking about this? And this could happen. You just mandate this nationwide that all lenders, doesn't matter if you're commercial, residential, public, private, you got this kind of backing on the loan. You know, you hear this thing like, oh, you know, uh, Trump said that, you know, HUD uh, is not going to, um, you know, do any foreclosures until ju June 1st or whatever the date was. It's the dumbest freaking thing I've ever heard. How in the heck? I mean, who has a HUD loan? I mean, seriously, who has a HUD? I mean, nobody. Right. I mean, nobody. You can jump on the HUD website, go to HUD store, like I think it's hudstore.org or .com, and you can look at how many houses they have for sale. Like in the entire state of California, it's like 12. Okay. It, 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 it's just stupid. You have to do this for every loan, commercial, residential, doesn't matter. You have to force them to take a negative amortization option only payment. So whatever you can send in, you send in, okay? And then maybe we, we look at this again on July 1st and say, hey, you know, the, the storm's passed and, you know, things are okay now and we're gonna go back to the regular uh, amortization schedule, okay? But I think they should just do it. Just do a one-year deal, one year, every, every mortgage on every piece of real property in the United States has to forcibly move to a negative am option only payment. That's, that's such a, we have to push this. This has to be done because I, yeah, I was thinking about that the other day where I'm reading this and I didn't have the terminology that you're calling it, but I said, all you have to do is move the mortgage into the principal. Right. It's called, it's called capitalizing interest. It's and, and good times. It's still, yeah. People don't realize that we're already, okay. I, I, you're never going to hear this from a realtor. Okay. Because it just, they would never say. It's it. always a good time to buy, Mike. Oh, oh, the market's crashing. Oh, good time to buy. You're going to fire things. Here's the thing. The real estate market is in a complete state of chaos. Prices are already coming down and it's going to get really, really, really bad unless they do what I just said. That's the only way that you're going to be able to prop up the real estate market right now is if you do what I just said. I don't know, and I've been in this decades. I don't know any, you can't put money on it. There's just not, you, you, there's just no way to throw a check here and there into this guy and that guy. And what they should do is they, they have to do what we laid out before or the market, the real estate market is going to collapse. There's just no way you're, you can't have, oh, hey, by the way, you know, Gavin Newsom says, you know, you don't have to pay your rent. You know, you can just, you know, nobody's going to get kicked out of their house. Oh, great. Okay. So, but then all the banks on the other side of this transaction are going to start, you know, coming after all these landlords that can't make their payments. It, it has to be across the board in order to save the market. Otherwise, we're going to be in a calamity like we were in 2009. No, I mean, worse. I mean, we're, it's worse because in 2009, people still had jobs. It might not have been a good job, but 
people weren't losing their jobs like they were, they were losing their houses. So what happened in 2008, 2009, even though it was a bad recession, unemployment, people are rewriting the history of that. So what, what happened to most people is that you had a job making say 60 to 80 grand, but you bought a million dollar house because they were called ninja loans, no income verification loans. Right. And you bought a million dollar home and you only had to pay a $500 a month mortgage payment because of the shenanigans we were talking about earlier. Yes. And you just couldn't buy your house anymore. So that was it, but you still had your job. You didn't lose your job at, you know, T-Mobile or, you know, wherever you were working. Right. Now it's the opposite. Most people have, if you own a home, you had to buy equity. You probably had to put 20% down unless it's, you know, a special category alone. And You've been making your payments, so you have equity in your house, but you're going to watch your house go. You showed me um, that a house in Napa went down, what, 25%, I believe, overnight. Yes. So, yeah, we had there was a fourplex that was on the market here in Napa, multifamily property. For people that don't know what that is, it's like a, a small apartment building. And the property was listed, um, I think it was $2.3 million, and they did a $400,000 price reduction yesterday. One price reduction, $400,000. Okay. And I will tell you that I'm connected with a ton of investors, a ton of real estate investors, talk to them daily, you know, phone, emails, whatever. I'm telling you, they are worried, very worried. Okay. Because most of these guys, you own a 10 plex. Okay. And you own maybe two of them, you know, one in Fresno and one in Modesto or something. What, what do you do if 14 of those 20 people decide not to pay rent. How long do you think a small landlord that's, you know, taken on debt to, to have this building and then they still have to maintain the common areas, they still have to maintain the insurance, they still have to maintain the roof and the air conditioners and on and on and on. How long can this guy go with tenants not paying rent? It's just, in, in the way that you, again, the way you can fix this is a negative AM deal. You could even make it where if the landlord doesn't offer a negative AM rent option to the tenant, then they can't do the negative AM on the loan. That's great. Beautiful. You know? So, Beautiful. Force, so that way it helps everybody out. But the way that we're doing this now is just, it's totally wrong. And, it, and Trump is the ultimate real estate guy. I mean, he's, nope. he's a real estate guy. So somehow, some way, I hope that he gets this message that this is how we can fix it. And he knows it. But, and I know he's got a lot of other shit going on. I get it. But I heard yesterday on CNBC that the real estate market is tied to $17 trillion in economic whatever, economic right. activity in the United States. You have to sure up real estate because real estate is the underpinning to everything else. It's, it's the underpinning to the pizza guy. It's the underpinning to the restaurant. It's the underpinning to the... To the uh, the people, everybody that lives somewhere, unless they live under a bridge. I mean, it, real estate is the underpinning to our society. You have to fix it. Have to fix it. Well, the wages, everything else, it's a mess. It's systemic. It's a complete, complete and total disaster. And the bailout packages I'm seeing is what you would expect. Big check to the airlines, a big check to banks, a big check to other people, even though the Fed with the stroke of a pen could do what we just talked about. So please tweet that out so yeah. we can tweet it. And then when we edit this podcast, we'll make sure we chunk 
like three minutes explaining that out because once people hear it and Trump, will, I mean, everything I tweet, Trump gets if, if it's just reality. Yeah. And we, yeah, we, we definitely have to get that message up for sure. Yeah, it's really important. And, and like you said, the, the, you said just a minute ago, is people don't realize that this is, is a bottom-up issue, okay? So you've got these people. This isn't like 2008 and 9 where you have, you know, the guy at Bear Stearns or, you know, the huge corporation or whatever it is that, that's, you know, got a systemic failure in the banking system or whatever. This, this is more serious because it's the everyday man, it's the everyday woman that are facing these calamities, okay? Uh, yes, there's a few industries that, you know, are doing really well. I guess if you own a Costco or Costco is probably doing great and the toilet paper guy is doing fantastic and, you know, the Purell company is doing great. But we're facing an issue that's really, really, really bad. And, and by the way, my business is still going. So you see people walking in and out behind me. Um, we're still working here and we're still doing stuff. Um, it's just on a very skeleton crew. Um, but, but yeah, my team is still going and we're trying to keep as many people employed as we possibly can. And we need, we need that help from the government to do what I talked about with this reverse AM. It has to happen.